1: Oh, it is October the 15th, 2020 on the Mike Abadier Show, and Mike, the Lakers are the world champions! How did uh, I know that you were going to open with that? How I did I know? To. I had to. I mean, we got football going on. We're in the middle of the baseball playoffs. There are four teams left, and I'm currently watching the Astros and the Rays at the Astros try to stay alive. Dodgers play a little later on. They're going to try to tie it up 2-2 in the the series, but hey, we got a, we got a world champ in the world of uh, is it any less NBA? satisfying because people are asking, is it any less satisfying? Do you, Hon- do you, no. you know what I mean? Nope. honestly, no. It too, okay. and, and I think and again yeah, yeah, they're all great, right? But sure. this year we need like if you're a fan, something like we needed these sports, Mike, right? We talked Absolutely. about it. We had it. We had months where we didn't really have. We were talking racing. We were projecting what was going to happen. What's happening? Maybe this, that. We needed these sports to come back. And, um, I mean, I, I don't like the whole, like, asterisk. I mean, what we're, what we're watching in baseball is very good baseball. What we're watching in basketball was high-quality basketball. We're watching high-quality football. If I would have turned on, um, the you know, any of these sports and it wouldn't have felt like the quality was there and it didn't feel real, honestly, er- everything that we've seen has felt real you you get a little difference when there's no fans in the crowd you know no crowd no fans obviously but the quality of play the level of play was great and the lakers were were one of the better teams all year long you you don't look around and say well you know they only won this because I honestly think they were the best team this year. The Clippers had their problems. The Bucks had their problems. You know, all the other top-tier teams had problems that would have come out, whether it was in the bubble or whether it was in just a regular playoff run. So, hey, man, I'm I'm pumped, and uh, now I'm trying to get greedy because w- this is an opportunity for Laker fans, for L.A. fans, to, uh, try to try to get what happened in 1988 and maybe get a Laker and Dodger title in the same year.
2: Oh, wouldn't that be good? Then the Lakers have a chance to... Kind of keep it rolling for the next couple of years too. Yeah. It looks like uh, Davis could opt out of his contract, which uh, is good news because that means that he's just going to be signing a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he'll be uh, in uh, in the Laker uniform for uh, I don't know several years. We we you can think, anticipate. So and
1: ideally, it's the passing of the baton that LeBron always wanted with a star. Right. He wanted it to be Kyrie, and Kyrie didn't really want to be that guy. And Anthony Davis has just embraced it. And so you know, we're realistically. It's it's incredible that LeBron is still able to do what he does right now at 35, like after all of the miles and after what he did this year, if you add up his playoff games, they would equal to 3 extra full seasons of basketball. Wow, <laughs> 3 full extra seasons. So he, he's going like like Barkley always says, you know, father time is undefeated, he it's going to in- inevitable is it next year two years three years but when that time comes what's so nice now is there's a guy named Anthony Davis who just stamped himself as one of the top five players in the league this year on both sides of the ball and it could be a really nice passing of the baton as LeBron gets a little older maybe he's not as much of the focal point you run things through Anthony Davis more you get someone to help dribble the ball a little bit more so LeBron doesn't have to do that and it could be. It could be sort of a graceful aging process. That would be, you know, ideal for what he wanted and how he wants to set himself up. And I know LeBron's, um, one of his big goals in life is to play with his son. And I think they're three years away from something like that happening where LeBron, if LeBron's son were to come into the NBA, he would have the opportunity to play on the same team with his son. Wouldn't that be something, huh?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, One of the most special moments I remember was uh, Griffey and Griffey Jr., Griffey Sr. and Jr., homering in the same game. So cool. It's so cool. Just, it's but, cool to it just, see brothers play on the same team or play against each other. All of that stuff I'm down with. Yeah, but father it. and son, I mean, that's just, they, it's so hard just to they, even get to the pros for any family member. You know,
1: know what I mean? It puts into perspective the longevity yes. of this man and what he's been able to do. And I was someone who, who didn't like LeBron, you know, early on, and I was one. And it was always one of those things where you love to hate him, right? You know, it's like you love to root against the big bad team and we always like to root for the underdogs. And it's funny that, you know, you have a relationship with a player like this where – I root. I hated when he was young, and he was always getting this like he's the king, he's the greatest because he hadn't won anything. And then he, he he goes and he wins, and you're rooting against him when he's in Miami. But then he comes back to Cleveland, and you're kind of rooting for him because he's going against the big bad Warriors who just brought in Durant. And so it's funny how like the narrative has shifted with LeBron, and then he obviously comes to LA, and he's a, I'm getting, I'm a Laker fan, so you you embrace him a little bit more. But um, the respect level for a guy, I think, even if you. I don't like the goat debate. I hate the whole like, oh, he's not Michael Jordan and stuff because you're right. Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan. I don't think there's ever going to be like a more dominant, better like athlete in their sport, maybe ever than he was in basketball in the years he was there. But it... It just it sort of sucks when that conversation starts to be had because it, it's, it takes away from LeBron. It takes away from the things that he's done. It takes away from the Lakers and his title and stuff. So I just like, I hate that GOAT conversation. I hate the comparing. I just love saying, man, I'm, I'm lucky as a fan that he decided to choose to come to the Lakers because it, this is one of those things where, yes, this this was a team win. It, it'll, everybody had a part. But if LeBron doesn't come, we're not talking about this right now. There's no AD. Nothing. Nothing follows. You know, he he had to decide, like, make the decision. I want to be a Laker, and a lot of people didn't want to make that decision, Mike. Whether it was the Lakers organization wasn't that great, whether it was maybe there was some sort of a weird pressure because the Lakers kind of stink, and you don't want to be the guy that doesn't win on the Lakers, or maybe he just didn't like it here. He liked it other places, but for whatever reason, he kind of he embraced the challenge, and he will be now a Laker. You know, he he will be. What if he wins one more title as a Laker? Like what 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 jersey do you remember him the most in? That's that's already a funny thing to say, you know. What what did you how about this before
2: his Laker destination? Was he more a Cav or more a Heat? I
1: still thought he. I still probably thought he was more of a Heat, even though the Cavs' titled win against the Warriors was like worth two. But he, he still felt more like a Heat because he felt like he was in it with them all those years. But I mean, I don't think he'll ever. He, it, it, he'll ever really be a Laker. But hell, you know, you win another one or two, and, and you never really know. So, hey, man, I, I was. It's one of those things where. We and if you're if you're someone who doesn't lo- love sports, you're probably not listening to this show. <laughs> first of all, but if you don't, if you're not like really into a specific team, it's hard to explain a lot of the feelings you get. But I I, I cried a little bit, you know, on on when they won, you, and you get that feeling. It's 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 you know six years of the worst years ever that the Lakers have had. They broke the record for their worst. Season repeatedly over and over and over. You kind of you get because you're so good. When you're bad, everybody loves to kick you. The media, the other people, the Clipper, everybody around you just loves to let you know how bad you are, and we're beating you and this and that. And you kind of forget what it's like to win and and to get back there. And 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 then in a year like this in 2020 with the pandemic with everything going on, and then obviously with Kobe and and like how 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 do you think he would have
2: reacted? You know. The 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 moment that the zeros that, hit the clock. Gosh,
1: he, I I just I it gets goosebumps to think about. You know, I, he, and I you know, I know he was watching. You just you, you know he was watching and he had a smile. I'm sure he just had a big smile going like, "Yep, you guys did this," you know, and and, and it was, it, it just. There are some years where it feels like it's a destiny, right? Was it the the hurricane year with the same, you know, like some of the years where there's like a something happens with a city and and, and or or in an area and it feels like there's this galvanizing force that's almost bigger than the sport. It, it sort of felt like that as a Laker fan most of the year, but you don't want to let yourself think that until afterwards. Cause it's scary. You, you, you don't want to say like, this is our year. Cause then you get there and you lose. I felt that way with the Dodgers a couple times, you know, like this is the year. So it's, it, you know, it's scary to think that it's only once you've won, you can look back and say, well, wow, this really was the, this did feel like a year. That was, that was kind of the way things fell for the Lakers. It's just when it happens.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and not yeah. until then. No, no, you're right. Yeah, y- exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I want to chime in on, on on the GOAT discussion, not by weighing in on it either side. I think a lot of it just kind of depends on, on a lot of different things. Your age. Did you kind of live th- – were you old enough to live through the Jordan era and mm-hmm. watch it? Um, you know, each one I can make a, a great case for and a great case against. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people quickly jump to Jordan – because of the one team thing, for the most and part, he's right? 6-0 I mean, and in the He's a—he's a, he's a bull. You know? he's, To me, he's not a bullets or sure, a exactly, or whatever, yep. right? So, it's he. You know, he did his work with one team. Uh, the consecutive titles break for baseball. Consecutive titles again, but he never beat Bird. He played in a down. East, which we, which when I get to the LeBron side, I'm going to say the same thing as well. And I think that's why it was really important for him to win in the West.
1: Yeah. It's w- w- the, the, what you're getting at right here is, is the point that I, I just like to make. E- even though I completely feel that what Jordan did in his time it is like pr- pretty incomparable, but it's, but he's not perfect. He wasn't the nicest guy in the world. He got into it with plenty of, you know what I mean? So when, when you start creating this, like, Michael Jordan was perfect and he did nothing wrong. Like, we just saw the last dance not long ago. We saw a lot of the things. he. A lot of people didn't like him. He got into fights with some of his teammates. He literally left in the middle of a like of a, of a run when he's the most dominant. He decided to go play yep. baseball. Yep. I mean, could you imagine if LeBron did that? Oh, what he would have got, got like nowadays? Could like, you remember like, remember
2: quitting? when there was that... Um- like, some some photo came out, maybe it was him, of him looking like a tight end for the Cleveland
1: Browns. Yep. Imagine if he would have done that. Yeah. I mean, all, I mean, all in the social media era. And this guy has had to be in the social media era since he was 17. I mean, I mean, like, he's... So, I just... Nobody's... My whole thing is, none of these guys are perfect. They're all humans. They're all athletes. They all make mistakes. They're all... They, there, you can just like you said. If you want to take one of them and put them up on a pedestal, we can all start to 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 knock on them, right? To say, hey, that they did this wrong, this wrong, that wrong. I just don't like how it feels like with LeBron. It's a lot of negative, and and we don't give that. Like Kawhi gets past it, you know. Like it's. You know what? I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna uh, slightly disagree with your choice of words. Of course, nobody's perfect. We're all human. But I'll tell you what, he's about as close as perfect. From a basketball sense, no, you're, and you're As right. you can get as a player, because, keep something in mind: if it, if he didn't assert himself in maybe political arenas that he's probably not an expert in. I'm not talking about the social stuff. I'm talking about you know China and things of that nature. Uh, and can't really, and, knock and his what end, which is is is. He ruffled some feathers the way he did his announcement, even though it benefited kids for the YMCA and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Just sitting down with Jim Gray, who's kind of a weasel. You know, he's a great reporter, but he's kind of a weasel, or at least was thought of as such uh, because he had a lot of run-ins with some athletes and stuff like that. So it seemed kind of like a sellout type move. Completely agree. um, Completely agree. So I'd say between that and the political type comments, maybe a little bit over the top sometimes with – how much he wants to push certain social agendas—it's like a social awakening, so to speak—and it started kind of with him and and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade on stage at the ESPYS, I believe, and it's kind of carried through until now. Those are things that have, for, right for you know, right or wrong, you know, it's kind of ruffled some people the wrong way. Other than that, you know, not from a Christian or godly perspective, he's a pretty perfect. Basketball he's a good, I mean, player, I, entertainer. I, off the field, he's fantastic. Humanitarian, the I humanitarian, Promise School. Like doesn't all have his, any issues with 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 women in he, any he, way. He's married his high school sweetheart. Zach. Exactly. I don't hear about a bunch been... of kids from from a bunch of different women. And this is I don't all hear about in front of, I don't don't front, front of the don't camera. Hear about like, he can't walk
1: down the street without yeah. everybody knowing who this guy is since he was seventeen. If there was a moment, it would have been caught. Exact. He's real. he's a real guy, and he's a really. good Good guy and I you can like you said You can disagree with some of his beliefs And you can believe one way too And and he's not only been a good Off the court guy but like you were Getting at this too before you even moved to the Off the court if you're just creating Like a perfect basketball player In how to play the game Unselfishly make the right play Be able to play on offense And defense not really have Weaknesses in their game from being able To handle the ball Shoot the ball attack the rim you know, post I mean, he is as close to and Jordan was that way, and that's what Kobe was trying to be. Is that they're always adding to their game, but but he's even more of an unselfish, you know, more of a Magic Johnson than a Co- than Kobe and Michael were, which makes him as a player even more of a prototype that you'd look to. Like he's just such a great all around, make the right move. He was getting he was getting you know castrated for making the right decision in game five. When he passed the ball to Danny Green, who was wide open for three, I mean, it was the same exact, the same exact thing that Kobe did, and and Metta World Peace hit it. It was the same exact thing that Jordan did, and Paxton hit it, and Kerr hit one. But because it was LeBron and they missed, everybody said LeBron's a choker. He didn't want to take the big shot. He had four guys on him, and he he threw it to Danny Green, who I think Danny Green is like the fourth best shooter in NBA Finals history. He has like four. No, it 42%. it was the right play.
2: <laughs> and, uh, and he should have been the, the MVP. And uh, and there's not much more, more to it from,
1: from my perspective. No, no, and it, it's great. And so, you know, w- basketball w- w- is kind of in limbo now. Oh, so, looking, where do we go from here? I was yeah, they're ask looking, you that. When they're is free at,
2: agency? When is opening night? When is, you know, where do we go from here now that we're in mid
1: October? So, the draft is in a month, um, the middle to the end of November. And then they are going to, and then a week, free agency is a week after the draft. So it'll be in a month when everything starts. You know, contracts will they'll 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 you know start teams will start players will start moving after the draft. They're looking at sometime between like the tentative circle date that they would love would be MLK Day because that's actually a big day in the NBA. That's one of the days when it's like a Monday holiday. NBA has four or five games on national TV all day long. So they're looking at that as maybe a. So what a- does that leave us with? Like a fifty-six game season or something, or what? W- well, I think they're still hoping to play full games, full seasons with fans. And so what they're doing is they're going to wait as long as possible before they have to actually make a decision because the NBA has always wanted to have a season that basically starts right around Christmas and then runs through July. That's what they've always wanted. They can get away from football a little bit more and and then they can be playing deeper into the summer when there's really nothing going on but baseball. And and that's what they've ideally always wanted. So I actually think that we may get there in two years, inevitably. Like we may get a changing of the season because let's be honest, most people don't and, and I'm a huge Laker fan. I'm watching all the games, I'm watching all the basketball stuff. Most average sports fans are not watching basketball until Christmas Day. <laughs> they really aren't. They're watching football, they're watching college football at this time of the year. And then once you, it's like Christmas, you watch those games, you know, all throughout the day, there's four or five games. And then you kind of start to get an NBA mode towards the the end of the football season and the football playoffs, you know. And um, so I, I think that's where they're going to end up going. And I wouldn't be shocked if in like two years we end up having a season that starts like a like very early in December or the beginning of December and runs through July.
2: OK, but MLK, how do they, well, I guess that's like mid, but that's I mean, the, how many, end that's of like 18
1: games, right? It's the that end of January. That they have to make up? Yeah, they would. They would. St- so this year, I could see them doing something like starting on MLK Day, end of January. I mean, that's they. 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 May, they're using that day as a target because that's a big day for them. Um, okay, it, so it, I, I
2: get what you're saying. Basically, yeah. you're saying there's no more November if they don't do November in 2021, and it really becomes opening the same time of year. Then mm-hmm. you could do a full season. Yep. So we're we'd be looking then at a finals.
1: In August? July, like late July, early August. Yeah, like be right before, and in that way, that right would Right before be football starts. Right before football starts, right before you get into college football and NFL, and they could, see, then what the NBA would do is, in those October, November months, when everyone's still kind of paying attention to football a lot, they'd get away from them. they get away from- I wonder from how,
2: fo- I want, yeah, well, that's true. I wonder how MLB will feel, because each sport, correct me if I'm wrong, I think has their own- Limelight period, at least sure. for a little yeah. bit,
1: yeah. and, and uh, but
2: this way, MLB would not then, right?
1: they will what would well, be nice is their playoff yeah. MLB's playoff would actually be highlighted more. That was kind of the pitch I was hearing from the NBA because the NBA wouldn't be having go- anything going on in the October period. So it would just be, hey, we're not we're not even going to be playing then when you know when you have your playoff run, your World Series and stuff, you'll still be up against football like you've always been, but you'll have no NBA to deal with. We'll just be dealing with you. In ah, you know, like a little bit more in the 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 dog days of your season. So yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm not sure. I, I know I don't know. Like you said, what MLB, what NFL, the other sides think. I know that this has always been an NBA Adam Silver thing that feeling like that would be a good portion of the year for them to be able to get more eyeballs on their sport.
2: Yeah. And, and look, when I say how, how do they feel? I don't mean that as in like their feelings get hurt or no, no, but no, there's, I'm there's actually talking rules. also like the bigger picture
1: contracts. And yeah, like the,
2: exactly. This, TV yeah. deals mm-hmm. and all that kind of Completely. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, when, when we we're the people around the country that are listening, every region has their own regional Fox sports, and so, like, here in Southern California, uh, like, the same channel, I believe, that broadcasts the Angels also broadcasts the Clippers. Not yep. the same for the Dodgers because Dodgers are on their own network. The Dodgers and the Lakers recently the have their
1: own. But yeah, like, most the Fox Sports up, regionals, up they're north, Fox Sports West. And it used to be that way. It was Fox Sports Prime right. ticket or whatever, and it would yep. show Lakers, yep. Dodgers, the Kings, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, all the locals. Exactly.
2: So there's going to be some um,
1: some issues, though. It would probably have to be sorted out, I would think, Gino. <laughs> Let's oh, take I a commercial know. break. Yeah, we'll, as we take a break, I, all I know is that if Manfred's in charge, he does not care. You know what I mean? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Ron <laughs> Manfred over there, babe. He doesn't care about what's going on. Like, sure, no
2: problem, whatever. Well, there you have it. You just got <laughs> the insight from MLB right here info <laughs> on this show. Stay with us. We'll be back with more Manfred Insight right after this. <laughs>
1: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferrey and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun we've got the scoop the guests the discussion and the wtf moments all you need to do is bring your ears racers and rental cars heard every saturday at 10 a.m pacific time 1 p.m eastern right here on the voice america variety channel Specific for outside the huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the show.com Now, back to
1: this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. And as we are recording, it is the middle of the sixth inning in game five of the ALCS. Tampa is up three games to one But the Astros are up three to two In this game Mike they're trying to stay alive They were down three games to nothing But they were able to pull out a win Last night they're trying to make The comeback that only your Boston Red Sox have made when they came back Down three zero against the Yankees And I'm able to breathe A sigh of relief that the Dodgers don't have to try To make that same comeback down three nothing Because they were able to Just with a a shocker yesterday I mean um did put up 11 runs in in the first inning and uh, and and set themselves up very nicely for a game four with Kershaw coming up later tonight.
2: Yeah, you know the 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 Mookie Betts reversal on the out the infield single was really big. Oh, it was huge. It, it was, was really huge. huge. I'm I, to I say that that sequence in. In the last 30 years, there's been no more important sequence since Kirk Gibson. Oh, that's
1: that's 100% true.
2: It was... Especially if they come back and win, Gino. We're going to yes, look back and, and, be and like, because, that sequence of events was the most impactful
1: for the Dodgers organization since Kirk Gibson. And and the thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people say it's just one game. But but here's a, a little bit what's different in the playoffs is that this is a seven-game series. With no days off, you're playing against a team that has only two and a half starting pitchers right now, and they already had bullpen games set up for prop- for game four and maybe game five, depending on if they want to bring Freed back on short rest or not, somebody who's, who's already had injury history throughout the year. So they're going to have to really get into their bullpen now. That's why that was such an important, more than... It felt like more than just one win because you were able to make things difficult on them now. And between what happened at the end of game two, when the Dodgers came back and scored all those runs late and looked like they were going to maybe win the game and steal one, they were able to see these relievers and they were able to see these bullpen arms now three, four, five, six times. That's another very important thing for two teams that didn't play each other all year. You know, the first Time or two, you see these pitchers, whether it be through the lineup or out of the bullpen when they come, you know, um, in for uh, an inning or two, is difficult. Somebody you haven't seen, once you see them four, five, six, seven times, you know, you're able to get the ball, uh, the bat around. And I feel very, very confident. And and as long as Kershaw isn't hurt, like actually hurt with his back spasms is what caused him to scratch. I think we're going to get a game from him where he's going to throw five or six innings, give us, you know, two or three runs Um, that he he lets up, and give us a great opportunity to win the game. And that's all I really want from him in this game. Give me five or six with three runs or less. Give us an opportunity to win, and and that's all you can ask for.
2: I think if you're Dave Roberts, it's all about Kershaw and how good he was this year. He was the best pitcher on the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. and he had a Cy Young-caliber season. You tell your team, hey, we win this game, we scratch out of a 2-0 hole. We have all the momentum in the world. We're going to win this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Simple as that. We, You get a Kershaw game, then it's simple as that. Now, if you're on the other side, you know, I think you, you got to address Kershaw's past and say, hey, look, we can get to this guy in the playoffs. Absolutely. He's had a difficult time when his back's been up against the wall under pressure. And, the, right and now, this, he's this got is all the, the spot. Pressure
0: on the
1: world. This We're is the spot the house, where you've got house money. money. Because, like we've seen in this year too, like Game Two of the playoffs, great against the Brewers. Game Two against the Padres, good. Gets a little tired late in the game, but again, that's a that's a good Padres offense, and that's a team that's seen him a lot. You know, coming out of the game after giving up three runs and and having the lead in six innings, that is.
2: And, and also, we don't know if maybe his back was little was already starting up to by right
1: then. Like in yep. that last inning or two, you're exactly. right. that's that's another great point. So I'm with you. this is this is it's supposed to be like this, right? It's supposed to be difficult. Two really good teams. the Braves are this the Braves are a very good team. Their lineup is excellent. As a fan though and as just as an analyst as someone looking at the two teams, I feel very nice about where the Dodgers are right now because of the pitching. Now that can flip quickly. If Kershaw comes out and throws two thirds of an inning and his back hurts and he has to come out of the game, that that, or if he gives up four runs in the first inning and the Dodgers are de- that the, the series will flip quickly back. But if the Dodgers come out at the top of the first inning, and get two runs right away. I'm going to feel extremely good about their chances because now the Braves are going to start going. Uh Oh, we don't have very many arms left and it's going to be hard for us to get this team out.
2: Yeah, well, especially after yesterday. So, I mean, yeah. yesterday was an absolute disaster for the Braves, not because they lost the game, but because of how many. You know, how, how that game went in the first few innings, especially. It was horrible. People horrible were begging for, for
1: the Kung Christians. Fu Panda to come in and throw some innings just so that way they wouldn't have to use up some of their bullpen arms.
2: Yeah, I thought <laughs> they were going to have two Me or three too. position players that were going to come in and give them some innings. Uh, I have not had time to really, really do a deep dive into this, but maybe you're aware of any stats on some of the, the Braves' big sticks against Kershaw, uh, perhaps Freeman or Acuna Albies. Any of these guys have some good history against them that they could kind of go into this with some confidence? Because I know on the flip side, Bryce Wilson's young and and uh, may not have even faced the Dodgers before. If so, it's he's only had a few innings as a reliever. I think when he came in last
1: year into the league. So I've I've got it, and you and I have been talking about how there has been uh, like major issues on Twitter today. You know, like Twitter's been down. I've got it for um, favorited or liked. I'll pull it up somewhere. Clayton Kershaw has never. This is a crazy stat. He's never lost to the Braves. Interesting. In the regular season or the, the postseason. In the postseason, he's something like two and zero with a zero point eight ERA. Because the two times the the Dodgers have crushed the Braves when they played them before in the last couple of seasons when they've played in the in the postseason, and he's never lost to them in the regular season either. Which is it's like one of those stats that I hate. In seeing? his entire career. In his career. I have to I'm wow. gonna find it. He's He's never lost. Here we go. Clayton Kershaw has never lost a start against the Braves. Ninety-six point two innings pitched, a one point three zero ERA, um, hundred and three strikeouts to eighteen walks, and a one ninety nine batting average against. This includes the postseason.
2: Well, I and mean, look, the Braves have had a. Uh... A couple bumpy seasons, but for the most part, the Braves have been really good for the last, like, what, 25, 30 years. And they haven't been close. They haven't put out a lot of bad teams.
1: No, and, and they haven't been, I mean, they haven't put out a lot of bad teams, but they haven't been in the World Series in the last 10, 15, you know what I mean? They And it's 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 kind of funny because the team that this this Dodger era, and I mean, when I mean this era, I basically mean like this Kershaw era of the Dodgers that gets compared to, or those really good Braves teams, because they won all those divisions, but they only won one title. You know, the the, the Braves. Um, and, you know, the Dodgers have now won eight straight divisions. They have no titles. You know, a couple of them, they got to the World Series a couple of times, and one of them, we you know, maybe we say question marks about what went down. But it it does show you that, one, you can have really good pitchers and really great pitching, and two, it's hard to win. But if you go back and look at Maddox and some of those pitcher stats, they weren't that great in the playoffs either. So it's, it's actually a fun comparison, this Dodger group to that Braves group. I
2: think there's some definitely uh... – there's definitely a comparison mm-hmm. without a doubt because see in in basketball
1: when you have that best player or the best player you win. Like, yeah. If you got the best player on the court in a, in a 5 on 5, you're going to win. I mean,
2: I would have to go back and look throughout history, but I would say there are probably more repeat winners in the NBA than than not
1: ever oh, than oh, one-time yeah. wonders. Oh, oh, yeah.
2: Right. Whereas in baseball it's extremely difficult. I think I saw a stat that said in the 2000s you know there's not been a back to back and there's even a crazier stat and i don't want to mis uh get, give out any incorrect information i'd like to pull it up but it's something along the lines of just how diverse not just the world series winners are but just even the matchups in general mm-hmm. and stuff yeah uh, th- there's been a, a pretty significant amount of representation a lot more than because you always hear people say oh you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers dominate, but they really don't. No. You you have a whole variety of teams getting to the playoffs, getting to the World Series and and winning. So uh, that kind of defeats that point. But I think it's very comparable that what you're talking about, this comparison with the Braves. That Braves time period was absolutely amazing with Smoltz, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz revised as a closer. And then there would
1: always be somebody else that would be like the fourth and they would have an awesome year when they were there with them. It'd be like Kevin Millwood or Denny, N- Denny Nagel, you know, yep. it'd be somebody out of nowhere. You're like, what? And they go somewhere else and they're bad. And, and, but, and by the way, they always
2: go afterwards to the Rockies get a bazillion dollars <laughs> so <laughs> Tony and Eagle did yes. and uh, Mike Hampton remember yes. Mike Hampton Yes. he got a t- boatload of money from the Rockies and it just was terrible I think he had yeah I think he was more successful as a hitter in Coors field than he was as a, as a pitcher so uh, but yeah it's very comparable and uh, ultimately I think what we're really saying is teams that are very dominant for a decade or longer dominant in terms of di- winning their division getting to the playoffs. Uh, making runs in the playoffs, even, but not sealing the deal. In the Braves' case, yes, they did seal the deal one time, but many observers felt that they should have won three, four, five back to back to backers, perhaps even. And uh, you yeah. know that that's not that's not what happened. So, no. uh, the 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 this is a comparison that the Dodgers want to get away from. Yep. And I think when it just you just to one,
1: it's funny, you take the one and then you stop, you stop really hearing it right there. there how many like last yesterday when they they announced that Kershaw was going to be scratched because of back spasms, what it what was immediately all the responses to any of the tweets that put that out? Kershaw's choking in the playoffs. Oh, he did he make this up? So he doesn't. I mean, you see those responses, and they're just like, you know how exhausting it probably is for this guy and for this group of players that are so good, and they've been such a good team to have to hear this crap. Because it really is, if if every game that he pitched in the playoffs was awful, I'd agree. But we've seen him again this year. He's had two good games so far. He he's literally like the Dodgers were five and zero oh to start, and he won two of those games like in in pretty dominant fashion, and. It's so I just like one of my biggest sports wishes is for this group of Dodgers to get win one. And then we just don't ever have to hear of the playoff choking the dot Oh, here come the, like after game two, you know how many Dodger fans were saying fire Dave Roberts. Oh yeah. Oh my God, we're done. I cannot believe this. Oh, my God. So like, go on one of those Dodger message boards on Facebook. It's just, it's like laughable. The stuff that's being said. So I, I'm uh, sure. Well, yeah. let's do
2: a quick look ahead, Gino. So with, uh, with, The schedule being the way it is where we're not having to travel to Dodger Stadium and then back to Atlanta and then back again. Does this shape out now for Kershaw to pitch in game seven or game
1: one if there is one? I don't think he would pitch in Game Seven. Or I don't. I don't think he would start in Game Seven if there is a Game Seven. I think I could see him coming out of the bullpen for a few days. But wouldn't they
2: want to hold him out for Game One? I
1: mean, if there, you have to hope there is. You got to
2: get there, right? Like the first. You sure. know what the I mean? Red Sox so did it with Pedro multiple times during his tenure if, with the Red Sox.
1: If he's if he pitches today and he goes, you know, five or six, and he pitches. Fine and he's healthy that would set up Like it would be his bullpen day so he would You know probably be able to throw two innings Or something like that if they needed him You uh, needed him to although those are the Those are the kind of things that like The kind of positions that he had been put in When the Dodgers weren't as good or As deep of a team as they are right now and those Are the kind of positions that put him That he got put in that that is why this this whole thing is you know playoff kershaw stuff you know to begin with because he's been asked to do a lot of things sometimes that he probably shouldn't have been asked to do if there was a better bullpen if there was another good starter on this you know and now this team has it now whether or not they have five great starters right now they have a lot of options out of the out of the the bullpen they have a lot of young arms and if he's not ready and he's not right please don't make him Please don't put him in there and 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 put him in a situation to fail again. That's just not... It's not needed, right? And it's not necessary. I'd rather take our chances bringing Gonsolin back, bringing Dustin May back, letting Urias go again. And any of those options are better than trying to force a Hurt Kershaw who's probably got mental demons that he needs to, you know, like, exercise and get over, you know, right now. Like, don't, don't make him do this unless he's ready. I think he's healthy. I don't think he'd be pitching today if he isn't. I just... I would hate him to be wheeled back again, you know, hurt, and then blow a game seven, you know, and then, oh, it's Kershaw's fault again.
2: Completely agree with you, 100%. Before we get into the commercial, Gino, I want to get your thoughts on a a, a radical idea. You know, every once in a while, I like to throw out radical ideas. So uh, I've really enjoyed this postseason, even with everything that's going on. Because I feel like it's a lot more fluid. I feel that these games are fluid. The schedule's fluid. I love having a lot of these consecutive games. And um, I don't miss the travel days and in, in the schedule that's so spread out. Now, keep that in mind as I give you this suggestion. Baseball has probably one of the weakest incentives for getting the one seed or the two seed of any of the sports. You could maybe make a case NBA, same thing too. Uh, I've always felt, you know what, just to be able to get one potential extra home game in a seven game series is not enough of a reward. Here's the radical idea. And I think a lot of fans have really enjoyed this postseason because of the fluidity of, of the schedule and everything as well. Hey man, if you get that home field advantage, all seven are in your ballpark
1: yeah, i don't I don't mind it. I, I agree in that I think baseball to there should be more of an advantage for the number one seed for the top teams. I don't think yeah. there's enough of them or maybe it's and,
2: a one on one Gino, and then the rest of the way through, it's at one venue and and this the back and forth stuff is I don't know, man. And believe me, i I love seeing games at Fenway, but I don't love seeing games at Tiger Stadium. So it kind of sucked seeing seven games in Detroit or something like that. Uh, but I've always wondered about a neutral field because we are playing games into October and December, and there's been a few postseasons which have been terrible. The one that really comes to mind was Philadelphia and the Rays. I believe that was in 2008, and they had some
1: some games that were called off. Because what was the of, one with uh, the Indians and the Yankees with the bugs? On there you Zaba? Go. There Remember you go. that one? With there, those there massive, like, locusts flying around at that point? <laughs> was, yeah. So, i mean, I've also
2: kind of loved the whole San Diego, L.A. host thing. Too. I thought they has been good so, so far. I wonder really if they're going to go back to the drawing board and really think about some of these issues and and what they're going to take from this experience and and keep for the future. Maybe it's Universal DH. Um, maybe it's scheduling. Maybe it's postseason format. Maybe it's eight playoff teams. I don't know. But to me, that's one of the most intriguing things that the owners' meetings are going to cover this coming up December, Gino. Anyways, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and uh, shift the focus to the NFL a little bit. Stay with us. We will be right back.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming
0: live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com.
1: Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, closing things out, and we are getting ready for NFL Week 6. And
0: Hey, Gino,
2: before we talk NFL, a quick question sure. for you. Are you going to be ordering the, uh, or watching or going to uh, a friend's house or the small gathering, I suppose, uh, to watch the
1: Lomachenko-Lopez fight this weekend? I'll watch. I'll definitely watch. I The last six months to a year, I've definitely gotten more into, and probably more like a year, year and a half. We've talked some boxing here a few different times, and I've, I've gotten much more into it. So, um, uh, anything you want to lay out for the fans? Like, what are we looking for uh, in this fight coming up this weekend? Well, it's a
2: unification fight. Um between the uh, w- WBA Super and the WBO and the Ring Lightweight Champion, uh, so for those who aren't super familiar with boxing, there are different sanctioning boards, and uh, you could be a champion in in one organization. Let's just say uh, my terminology isn't great. I'm not a boxing expert, um, and not be a champion. <laughs> with with another organization like the WBA or something like that, so uh, or IBF or so on and so forth. So these are two really good fighters. Lopez is fifteen and zero with twelve knockouts. Uh is fourteen and one with eleven knockouts. Uh, he's a lefty. That's always a a little bit tricky for for some guys at least. So uh, you know, uh, Lopez is from the United States, and the Lomachenko I. I believe he's from one of those <laughs> former Soviet Union countries, and it escapes me which one, Gito. So I don't want to Ukraine say, say, uh, There
1: you go. Ukraine. I don't want to say Kazakhstan because uh, that's Bora. This right? fool's bad. He's a badass, man, Lomachenko. Yeah, th- this is going to be a good fight, absolutely. And uh, we will—yeah, uh, we can talk a little bit about it next week, too, after after watching it. I'm, I'm glad you were yeah, right. I know one of ruler. our
2: big uh, you know, regular listeners, Eddie— He's a, he's a big boxing guy he's also in our fantasy football league as well um, and, and he puts out some good good tweets and uh, I click on a lot of those Eddie uh, for for boxing. I don't chime in uh, but I definitely read and, and kind of follow along. So should be a good fight and uh, it's not often that we talk about boxing, but I think this matchup is is probably worth a, uh, a purchase on your cable remote. Okay Gino.
1: Week six. First
2: week five going into week six.
1: I mean, we got weird schedules um, because of COVID delays. So games have been postponed, moved back, changed a little bit. We, have we did four. another
2: doubleheader on Monday, which we is get,
1: great as a pen. Great. We had a Tuesday game last week. Uh, we still have four undefeated teams, three winless teams. And what's funny, one of the four undefeated teams is a team that caused a lot of these COVID problems in the NFL you know it's just I know some of the teams out there and players are are pretty upset about this you know if you if you're a team like the Bills for example you were put into a really bad spot over the last week because you didn't know what was going on with your game you were sort of having to prepare for multiple teams at the same time while Tennessee was just kind of sitting back preparing for the Bills and uh, Tennessee didn't Really get to practice a whole lot, but we found out that they actually did go out and have some um, organized workouts, which they weren't supposed to. And um, so I, I've mixed feelings about this Tennessee team being undefeated. Still, I've, I I I scratch my head and, and think, man, they they caused some problems here. But they you know they're a good team and they're playing well. I just feel like uh, I feel like when you make when you're the one that does something wrong, you should have to pay a, a, some sort of a penalty. And it seems like all of. The other teams have had to have schedules moved around, and and they're paying a little bit.
2: Yeah. Now, uh, you know, COVID aside and all that kind of stuff, we have two unbeaten's in the in the AFC, which are the Steelers and the Titans. I I don't know if I'm ready to say that those are the two best teams. In no the AFC. way,
1: no way, and no, not at all. I, and and um, we have two in the NFC: the Packers and the Seahawks. We're probably safer. I mean, if we were saying which two teams would you? You know, one of these two is going to be in the Super Bowl. Which, which, is, which side would you take? I'd absolutely take the NFC side of of those
2: for sure. I, I, I completely agree with you. The Seahawks defense, uh, which is kind of a rarity, to well, say that it's uh they haven't can, figured it out yet. Both them and uh, Green Bay are. Man, are I, look, man, eh. I've been dead wrong about the Packers now for a year and a half running. Uh, I can't figure out that team. All I know is that they're playing very good football. They're beating up on teams, and they're doing it with authority. So.
1: And then we got three I don't know anything
2: teams. about Packer football. I'm just going to go ahead and make that declaration <laughs> in 2019 and 2020 because they outperformed my expectations constantly.
1: we got three winless teams, Mike, right now. The Falcons, who have just recently fired their head coach. The Jets, who... Should be firing their head coach at any moment And they've just tra- uh, They released Le'Veon Bell who has now been signed By the Chiefs And then the Giants are also winless So three winless teams Two of them in New York And I mean just to give you an idea Of, of uh, how bad the Jets are This week The Dolphins The Miami Dolphins Are a nine and a half point Favorite against the Jets Can you believe that? I mean, look, typically
2: speaking, one of the advantages of having uh, a star player is that you have a trade ship. But that asset, if you want to call players assets, isn't a trade trade piece if you don't get anything out of them because you don't use them right, because you can't get along with them, because it's been a miserable experience. They tried to trade Le'Veon Bell and were able to get any offer that resembles anything that they could take. So it becomes much more advantageous for them cap wise to release him. And this That's is a lot how of, much of a
1: disaster that move was. And this was a lot of their own fault because from, from day one, when they made this move, there were already rumors coming out that Adam Gase didn't want him right off the bat. He didn't want him. He he he. They both acted like they didn't want to be there. It, he never was so, used. So the question is, who creatively? does he want? Yeah, fourth, exactly.
2: thirty-seven years old.
1: What do you? And he a fourth-round
2: uh, draft pick that we haven't seen much of yet. So what does he want? I,
1: I, n- nothing. And this is something that I got to give you a lot of credit for too, because you you called this a few years ago, even when Adam Gase and the Dolphins had a good year, where I think they went like eight and eight, and and you had said this is. A, this is a man who is an incompetent coach. He does not know what he's doing, and you could not have been more right. And because they were m- much more talented at that time over there, they were able to mask it by winning enough games where they weren't a complete disaster. They would even just going six and ten instead of being, you know oh and and eight to start a year is completely different. And, yeah, and he, c- contrast that with the Jets, by the way,
2: in terms of what they did with their star players. They were able to, to uh, stockpile on, on first-round picks, second-round picks, right? That's a part of the rebuild. What the hell are the Jets doing? I yeah. mean, do they even have any kind of rebuild plan? No. If you can't get anything for your star players, I mean, look, look at the Dolphins. They, they had so many guys that, be, that were pro bowlers uh, with, with other clubs. So a lot of people got on them about that. But in the back of my mind, I was like, well, look, if you're going to be moving these trade pieces – as long as you're accumulating assets that are legit, that have value, then you're probably on the right track. They're on such the right track that even if Tua doesn't work out, they could probably still
1: draft another awesome. quarterback. Who cares? Next year they got three more. They can move right up if they want to. Exactly. So They're in great they're shape. In a, they're
2: in a nice, they're in a nice uh, situation. And and, uh, the Jets look,
1: couldn't I- be the more opposite because even the one guy you just mentioned, Tua, w- we were talking during the break. Mike, we don't know anything about Sam Darnold. Who who is this guy? We we don't know if this guy is a guy that could be a franchise quarterback. Is he someone who you you know maybe he's in like the fifteen to, to twenty five range where if you have a great team around him he could win. Maybe he's a backup. We we really don't know because you cannot gauge or get a feel for how good he is on this team with this personnel with this coach right now. Because how about we, how about Indi- India
2: is a destination,
1: right? I mean, Rivers ain't going to be playing forever. I don't know do mean, how good he is this year. I heard that people, you know, um, there was something, some thing I read about about the Steelers, you know, l- liking Sam and and maybe as a guy that could take over for Ben in a year or two when he's done, you know, Interesting. like yeah. There are it's it's just they've basically wasted this guy. And I, I I've never even been the biggest Sam Darnold fan as a USC fan. I thought he was a very good college quarterback. I wasn't sure if he'd be your guy. But we don't even know. It's so hard to to tell anything that's going on there. And there are bad teams. There are teams that we watch that are bad, right? Like the Jaguars are bad. But the Jaguars, you watch them, and they're going to, every couple games, they play well. Or they, even throughout their game, they'll have drives where they look very good. And they look like a competent NFL team. And then they'll be inconsistent. They'll do something stupid, a couple penalties. And that's what a bad team is. This Jets team looks so bad and so lifeless and there's nothing like redeeming or exciting about them whatsoever. I know we only have a few minutes so we can get into our picks soon, but it's just watching them. I just, I get, I get so bummed out because they, they just, I don't know as a fan, how you would feel it. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a bummer.
2: It's kind of funny because like teams like the Knicks and the jets in the big apple, huge followings have been garbage for so long and they just go from one garbage season to the next garbage season. Nobody has any hope. They could start today. And I would get on the phone and call Chicago Bears and Indianapolis Colts. I don't know if the Colts would make a move. But we already know that the Bears will, right? Yeah. Because they've already made a move. And they're 4-1. and one. So they're looking to improve somehow, some way. And Foles, you know, his best years are probably behind him. He's one of those spark plug guys that could come off the bench. But he's not a long-term plan, and he's not a guy that's getting. Huh. I was going to say he he's not going to get you to the Super Bowl this year, but we all were wrong about that yeah, a couple years ago, right? So it's hard true. for me to say to say that. But I would, uh, I, I would, I think the Bears could be a good fit. Yeah,
1: he's a passing yeah,
2: quarterback. Um, yeah, have- the hands, the fumbles. I mean, it, we just need to see what he could do. Outside of the New yeah, York Jets camp
1: That's the problem, it's just it's hard to gauge And I know we only have about a, a couple minutes So I'm going to get into my picks for the week, Mike And then uh, you can go for yours I went 2-1 last week The uh, the game we lost was, uh, was Seattle Who ended up coming back and winning But they didn't cover against the Vikings there My three plays coming up this week I'm going to play, uh, my first one will be Carolina Minus one and a half So they're at home and they're playing the Bears And again, I just, you know, the Bears are coming off their win against Tampa I still just don't think the Bears are that good This Carolina team is a lot better there than I thought they're very well coached they seem like they like each other their defense is improving Carolina minus one and a half the Falcons are plus four it's the old hey the coach just got fired this angle worked last week when we were with the Texans so we're going to play with the Falcons right back here plus the four and then we're also going to play the Texans plus three and a half they're playing the Titans Titans coming off the weird week with the Tuesday game all the COVID stuff I think it's going to be a close division game so you're giving me the three and a half maybe the Titans win by three there I'll take it Carolina minus Minus one and a half Falcons plus four Texans plus three and a half.
2: I'm going to take some home teams. I'm going to go with uh, Jacksonville. They're getting three points at home against the Lions. It's a battle between one and three and one and four teams. I'm not sure that the Lions should be a three point favorites against anybody on the road, even though they're a team that I thought would be much improved. um, They've got a lot of holes, a lot of question marks with that ball club, especially when it comes to their running game. Uh, The next game I'm going to go to is Tampa. Tampa at home, getting a point from the Packers. I think this is going to be the time where the Packers get their first defeat. I think it ranges from a, a pick 'em to a one-point spread. Um, might not be a bad for a teaser play. Seven-point teaser, get, get it to eight. Uh, and then the last one is Arizona against the Cowboys. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to whoop up on the Cowboys. They're a point-and-a-half favorite. That's all the time we have. Unfortunately, or else I would get more into it, as always, Thank you for listening. Good job on two and one last week. Gino, we'll see you same time, same place. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time and 4 p.m. Pacific time for another show with Mike and his co-host Gino Bacola on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.